Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2016. This is Lisa talking about Step 3. Hi everyone, my name's Lisa and I'm an alcoholic. Hi Lisa. And I'm like Susan, I've bought old fashioned paper and pen notes um, because my my brain is still fairly fried from my years and years of drinking. My memory's not so good. But that's okay. Um, Step three. When I came into AA, I wanted you people to fix me. I thought you had all the answers and um, I thought somebody would tell me what I had to do and I'd just grab enough of it and be able to walk away and socially drink. And um, I was to find that that obviously wasn't the case. But I remember one of my first meetings I came to and um, I got home and I went straight to the fridge. My husband was outside doing the garden or something and I I went outside with a glass of wine and he said, well, that went real well, didn't it? <laughs> and I said, well, they didn't tell me what to do. He said, well, you're going to have to go back. And I said, yeah, I know. So I went back and I reckon, well, I went back half a dozen times and each time I come back, they still haven't told me what it is that I have to do. I thought there was this little secret and... Um, that I obviously, you know, I needed to show up before me a few more times before anybody was going to share this with me. But, of course, you know, that wasn't the case. And I went to, you know, I went to doctors. Maybe they could fix me. There must be a magic pill that can stop my head, that can stop me wanting to pick up a drink and that can make me drink socially. I went to a psychologist who said he could have me drinking socially within about six weeks. And of course I grabbed that for all it was worth. And uh, he said to me, well, how many drinks would you like to have? And I said, well, on a Friday night, I'd like to have maybe three or four. And on a Saturday night, I'd like to have, I don't know, maybe five. And preferably not drink during the week. He said, okay, well, just write it down and do it. And this man was a drug and alcohol counsellor, you know, and that's and he was paid $120 an hour for that bullshit. <laughs> and luckily, I mean, when I went back the next week, he said, so how did it go? And I said, oh, really good. <laughs> how many did you have? Three. Saturday night, four. It was rubbish. You know, I just lied. I lied as we do, denial, and I thought, well, I've still got, you know, he said it's going to take six weeks, so I've still got a little bit of time up my sleeve for this to work. Anyway, after a few weeks, I thought, Lisa, who are you kidding yourself, you know, you're just just being ridiculous. So, counsellors weren't going to help me. You guys weren't going to give me this magic spiel, just do this and it's done and fixed. Um... But, you know, in time I had to just get desperate enough to really gauge what was going on. And, you know, I mean, nobody, nobody comes into AA for the free tea and coffee. <laughs> you know, you, you're here for a reason. You come through these doors because, you know, you're stuffed. 
and I was pretty stuffed when I came in here. But I thought it was because I lacked willpower, I was weak, you know, I just didn't have what it took. And I knew something was wrong with me and I couldn't work it out. I, other people don't drink like this, why do I drink like this? And the desperation for a drink was just, it was my first thought every morning and it was my last thought every night if I was conscious. Um, to wake up in the morning and just think, okay, what time can I drink today? safely. And that would depend on whether I was going to work or not. Usually I, did, well, I didn't get to the stage, thank God, that's a yet for me, um, of um, drinking before work. But if I had the day off, it was drop the kids off and start. And, and I would keep drinking all day, probably pass out around 2pm, have an hour's nap, put the phone, put the alarm on my phone because I needed to I was just too legless to be able to go down to the school. Wake up at three, have another drink, go and pick them up drunk. And, um, you know, that just shows you, you know, step three. Okay, we've got to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. I had to turn or made a decision, as Susan was saying, you know, that's, that's a choice. I have to make that decision to turn my life and my will over to the care of God. But what does it, you know, what does it mean? My life wasn't working and it had, it never occurred to me that it wasn't working. Um, it, was, it was completely unmanageable. I was drinking every day to blackout. I was hungover every morning going to work, stopping at Macca's every morning for the bacon and egg McMuffin and the big orange juice. I hardly, apart from that breakfast, I didn't eat because after that I'd be waiting for a drink. And if I had, if I happened to have dinner at home every night, I wouldn't want a drink. So, answer to that is don't eat. So you can have a drink instead. I put alcohol before my children. I constantly drove drunk with them in the car and their friends. Um, and I always woke up feeling full of shame and guilt and remorse. You know, this wasn't a good way to live. And so I had to look at this, this step. I did need a new manager, as the big book states. I needed a new manager and a new director in my life. Um, and as Susan said, it's okay to make that decision, but you have to put some action in. I can't just stand here and say, all right, you've got this now, bring it on. You know, I could sit there and say, well, here's a drink. Are you going to stop me? Are you going to stop me? You know, I've got to do, I've got to do some work. Um, and finding, the, finding that higher power was really difficult for me because um, I'd been brought up in a fairly religious family where we were all scared shitless of God. And, you know... I remember a priest saying to us once in class, um, you know, that even cuddling and kissing was a mortal sin and you'd go to hell. And I can remember my parents had a really, um, for want of a better word, fairly passionate sort of a relationship. And they were often kissing and cuddling on the couch. And I can remember coming home just bawling my eyes out, mum saying, what's going on? I said, you're going to hell. 
She said, what are you talking about? I said, you and Dad kissing, cuddle, and the priest said, you're going to go to hell because of it. And they're the sort of things that were thrown at me with religion, and I was really scared of God. And when you guys asked me to turn my will over to God, you know, that freaked me out a bit. Um, so thankfully, as I continued and I read some more of the, of the big book, I found that it didn't have to be that God. I could choose my own conception of God. And so I had to sit down and decide, all right, what, what would God really mean to me? And a God of my understanding is a God that um, is caring, is loving, who wants the best for me in this life. He's put me here, he, she, whatever, has put me here for a reason. And I'm no different to anybody else. I'm here for a reason. He wants me to be happy. And happiness is something that I hadn't found prior to that without a drink. The only time I was ever happy was when I was drinking. Um, and, you know, prior to that, the, I think the only time that I'd ever really asked God for help was if you give me the Tatsoto numbers on Saturday night, I'll stop drinking. I mean, imagine if that had happened. You'd end up going from cask wine to Dom Perignon, that's all you'd be doing, you know, and drinking a lot more of it. So thank God that never happened. Um, so I had to be willing. I had to be willing to um, to do this. And look, I didn't I didn't know if it was going to work, but I just had to trust that it was going to. I'd seen it working in the rooms. I'd seen people in these rooms who are actually happy, you know, and they're sober. I never thought those two words could come in the same sentence. You know, so I had to I had to trust um, that something in these rooms was working, and I was going to give it a go. And you know, being willing doesn't mean all right, I've got to make I've got to do it right right now. It's just step by step, day by day. And the 12, 12 steps and twelve traditions refers to it really well. I say you put the key of willingness in the door. And you just you turn the key and you open it just a little bit. And that's all I was able to do. Just open it up a little bit. And before I knew it, that door was wide open, you know. I don't know when that happened, but all of a sudden I, I did have a higher power in my life. And I trusted and that I could call God. Um, and today, it's all about, you know, God doesn't want me to do stupid things. I can't think properly. I don't make good decisions. So I have to ask God what the right thing to do is. And it's pretty simple. You know, I can be in traffic and somebody will cut me off and my initial reaction is something like that. But I go, what would God want you to do, Lisa? He doesn't want you to do that. <laughs> you know, just simple things. Um, not to have a certain opinions on things that might upset people. Keep it to yourself because it might upset them, you know. Um, you know, God throws 
shit at us um, in sobriety as well. Life still goes on. Um, things still happen. And I, you know, I had a I had a tough year last year, and I was desperate to pick up a drink last year, and I hadn't had a drink for quite a few years. But it was it was God that's well, my higher power that saved me that day. That, and I remember driving home from work, and I had tears streaming down my face, and I thought I can't do this anymore. And I remembered back to that time, you know, when I when I first surrendered to alcohol. And I said, God, help me. Just help me. And I turned my car away from the bottle shop into my driveway. You know, that's, that's God working in my life. If I hadn't have done the steps, I probably would have gone the other way. And, um, you know, back around on that cycle of addiction again. Um, you know, I'm still, I'm still not perfect at this and I probably never will be but it's as it says it's progress not perfection sometimes it's two steps forward and three steps back or whatever you know uh, and sometimes I have to be in a bit of pain before I realize that I'm not doing God's will I'm back in in Lisa's self again and um, you know, example of that is something that happened recently. I was made redundant about six weeks ago. And um, I was working locally, so it was really handy. I was only like 20 minutes from home, and I quite liked that. And so I sat at home for six weeks, waiting for a job, another job to come up close to home, because that's what I wanted. I want a job close to home. So, where is it? You know, and I just thought it was going to fall in my lap. And of course it didn't. And so I became more anxious, more fearful, you know, and I didn't want to work in the city. I have a fear about the city. There's too many people and all that stuff. And um, I didn't want to do public transport again. That means I have to get up earlier, you know. Woe is me. First of all, problems. And, you know, in the end, I had to say, you know, or, or what does God want you to do here? You can change this. You can suck it up, princess, and you can go and get a job in the city. And wait and see if a job comes up in the suburbs at a later date. And so I did, and I sat and I prayed, and, and I said, God, can you remove this ridiculous fear I have about the city. There's ridiculous fear about public transport and all that stuff. And just and just help me out. And um, and it's amazing, you know, it works. Works if you work it. And okay, sure I was anxious on that on that Monday that I started and I had to catch a train and all that sort of stuff, but most people are anxious when they start a new job. It's not just me. You know, so I had to get you know out of my head and that itty bitty shitty committee that's constantly going round and round. And the week was fine. I was a bit tired, but so what? You know, I'm sober. 
who cares if I'm tired? I got a job, I got paid, you know? And, um, and from these things, you know, I learned something. I wasted bloody five weeks on that stuff. Where's my job in the suburbs? <laughs> you know, why didn't I just go back, go, right, Lisa, what does God want you to do here? Stop being a selfish little bitch and just do what you need to do. And I could have saved myself a lot of trouble and a lot of headaches. Um, but, you know, from all these things, I grow. And, um, and I've grown from that. You know, all of a sudden, I don't, I'm not really fearful of the city after this week. I'm not fearful of public transport. So maybe that was God's plan for me, you know? He works in mysterious ways. So, you know, asking God and prayer, it changes my focus for the day. So if I can get up and say, God, let me do today what you'd have me do, my day's going to go a hell of a lot better than if I get up and I say, well, all right, Lise, what are we doing today? You know, I know it'll go the way it's supposed to go if I ask God's help. Um, and as it says, you know, um, God could and would if he was sought. I've got to ask. It's not just going to drop in my lap. I've got to ask. And the answers always come, you know, and it's generally just a matter of what's the right thing here, what's the wrong thing here and acting appropriately. Thanks for letting me share. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting me share.